Good evening, you're very welcome back to another episode 31, I think, this season, uh, the third season of the show of the Women's National League podcast here on FinalWhistle.ie with myself, Brefney Early, and of course, as ever, uh, Aaron Clark joins me to talk about all things women's soccer in Ireland at the moment. Uh, it's been a, another quiet week in the world of uh, women's soccer, Aaron. Um, it's been nuts. Uh, I know we've seen an interview during the week uh, in the build-up to the Nations Cup, well, Nations League game. We're going to talk about that in much more detail later on. But Darren Caldwell has been making a bit of a name for, for herself. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But uh, we obviously will be talking all things FAI Cup, the quarterfinals played last weekend. Uh, we have a bit of humble pie to have a little taste of as well. I think uh, both of us wrote off Sligo's chances of... of Hold on, hold on, hold on. Did I not say last week if they were going to catch Bowers, this would be the one time to catch them? You might have, but I know I said they had no chance or, or something to that. I might have used those words, but that's what I felt. Uh, and they uh, surprised everybody. I think probably including themselves, maybe with a, a great win up in uh, Daily Mount. They got into the cup draw, home draw against Athlone Town. Uh, their result, uh, their reward for that win in the semi-final sets. Give themselves a good chance of getting to an FAI Cup final. Uh, Sligo like a good cup run down there. We'll talk about all of that in plenty of detail uh, later on in the show. But Aaron, we got to start with the interview. Uh, you mentioned earlier, just before we came on air, 3.7 million views on Twitter at the time uh, of us having this conversation. Um, Darren Caldwell, like... It's a great interview, but, and she's probably speaking the truth. I, I do believe everything, single thing she says, uh, but what do you, what's your thoughts on it? Like Mental, absolute mental. I still try to wrap my head around the whole thing of, should she have said it, should she not have said it? I'll start off with, I'll give you my position on it. I agree with what she said. And the thing is, if anybody goes back and searches on my Twitter account and you search you search my Twitter account, my Twitter name, and you search Vera Pow, you'll see I called for Vera's head after the Ukraine game away in the last campaign because I said it was atrocious football. I said on the I said on, on one of these shows, either just after the World Cup or just after Ireland had gone out, that I thought Ireland could have achieved the results without Vera. And it's interesting to hear that was one of the things that I answered. Like I don't know what to make of the whole week, and it's not just the interview as such. Like the FAI are now posting pictures of the players in the gym; they're posting pictures of the, you know. There's a lot of things that Vera wouldn't have allowed to do. That's now seen on social media. So it's 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 a strange one. Somebody was always going to speak. Diana's just that person to to speak. I think she's in um, a position in her career as well, though, where she can speak because ultimately uh, she's in her thirties. Uh, she's been there, done it, worn the t-shirt. Probably on her second last, if not last, professional contract, realistically. Um, so she, she doesn't really have a whole pile to lose, other than maybe, and we talked about this off air as well, her hitting 100 caps. She's on 97 at the moment, but she's still in the squad. She's likely to feature at the, at the weekend. Um, so she probably will hit that 100 caps. So in reality, there's very little to lose for her there. Yeah, yeah. Like, there was something that she said in, in, in the interview that herself and Katie had a meeting with Rude Doctor and Rude sort of, there was no change from it. The problem with that is, and I don't think a lot of people realise, like, with him, and, with him and Vera being Dutch, that they had a good relationship before she came into the FAI. So it was always going to be difficult in that situation for them to get changed. Previous FAI management, it's fair to say, from the, from the top down was, was poor. So it was never really going to do anything. Like, the problem is that there's, there's been a lot of pressure on... 
the Irish women's national team to deliver since 2017. The strike action, everybody said, you got what you wanted, now go deliver. Equal pay, you got you got what you wanted, now go deliver. This again, it just it brings the, the intensity on the squad up a notch again. But for me, I think a lot of these players will relish it. They'll relish the, the, the pressure you know, of... Act- it's funny, and sorry to cut across you, but I had that exact same reaction to it myself because I think if I'm a coach... Of a at, at that level in the in the world at the moment, and I'm looking at the players insisting on higher standards and and looking to improve and be better and 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 grow and develop and, and achieve stuff. Um, I that's a challenge for me. I, most of the negativity has been like, who'd want to manage this group of, of of players now? I would. I'd love to have this group of players where they will do. You say jump, they'll say how high, as long as they know why they're doing it and they feel it's productive and a good coach will do that. Um, I think it's a real opportunity for the FAI now to really push women's football on in this country and and do what we should have been doing for the last 20, 30 years in qualifying for major tournaments. I don't see us qualifying for the World Cup as a as the big, massive step that people seem to think it was around the country. Um, we should have been doing this a long time ago. We got to playoffs in the last 20 years when we should have been in, in tournaments and missed out. And the fact that we've qualified for a World Cup now when they've made it bigger isn't the huge successful development step that in, in on the ground in reality in terms of standard and performance i don't think we've changed anything i think we have to remember though europe didn't get many more teams that's the only i would say to you. europe didn't get many more teams from from the previous one it was made a little bit easier but for me i think if you go back to the last european campaign that was a missed opportunity massively ukraine away you go there you need a point secure a playoff I, I say it to the day, I still don't blame Katie for missing the penalty. What happened between Anya and, and Courtney was was sad. Was the, but they just, on the day, just weren't good, weren't good enough and, and sort of didn't capitalise on the opportunity. But I do think, like, when you look at when you look, when you you look look at things, the same people, I wonder what the same people would be saying. What would they be, what, what's their reaction to what's going on in Spain at the minute? What's, you know, are they, are they going to turn around and say, oh, listen, Spain players, this, but... Like you know, I think I think for a lot of people is when it comes to women's sport, if there's any sort of any little small thing, people tend to jump on it. Like I've seen people like Conor Mortimer jumping on it. Like talk about people who who have serial failures, never never won a big competition, went and you know things like that, and they're jumping on that sort of thing. But it just annoys me because people, anybody, when it comes to anything that they'll jump, but yet these same people will jump across the water and pay hundreds of. Pounds to go watch Liverpool United play. Don't support Irish football, but when there's something happens, they all want to jump on it, and that's the, probably the most frustrating thing is that they're 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 trying to create a negative environment. They almost speak in their minds. I like the fact that Eileen Gleeson came out and said, "Listen, players entitled to their opinion." She didn't go one way or another. It's just the players entitled to their opinion. I think we might see a couple of more players speak out. Um, I'm sure some others have other opinions. Like I've been in and around the squad the last couple of years with with, with traveling and stuff like that, going to, with games and stuff like that. And you know, you see a lot of what goes on and, and from speaking to players, like it's simple things. It's a it's a lot of simple things that just weren't weren't right. And fair listen, Vera had her ways. Football wasn't great. Yes, she helped us get to a World Cup, but it's time to move on, it's time to look past it. Thirty seven thousand tickets are currently sold for the Northern Ireland game at the weekend. I think for me that's what the, the eye of the focus should be. Yes, there's a backlash. Probably ninety percent of the comments comments are are, are 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 negative comments, but they're always going to be like that when it comes to anything to do with Irish sport. But show me a, a negative comment from someone who's in the know. 
who knows the players, who knows the setup, who knows the game. I haven't seen one. Uh, I know we were very supportive of Diane on social media during the week. Um, and the reaction I got, all the comments were from, um, were negative. And all the comments were, in my experience anyway, were negative and were from people who I suspect couldn't have identified two or three Irish players pre that Scotland playoff last year. All of the likes, people who didn't say anything, just showed their little bit of support, were former players, um, players who are in the know, family members or friends of people who are involved in the game. Um, and that, to me, is the, the the loud minority are making most of the noise, but they don't know anything about the sport. They're comparing it to the men's game, and they're not comparable. We've talked about this before on the show. Um, the men's team is made up of championship players, essentially, with a handful of lads on the fringes of Premier League teams with very few players who are week in, week out, playing 90 minutes in the Premier League. That's not the case with the women's game. Women's game, Denise O'Sullivan captained North Carolina Courage to the NWSL Challenge Cup. We had, uh, excluding Shelburne uh, as the Irish representatives, we had maybe a dozen girls playing across the Champions League in the last two weeks. Um, we have players playing at the highest levels in uh, Spain, Denmark, Belgium, not Spain, sorry, um, Switzerland, Denmark, Belgium, uh, Ireland, Scotland, England, uh, uh, littered across the WSL, plenty more in the championship as well. And because of only 12 team divisions, effectively that's the same as the Premier League in both divisions. Um, so we do have these players who are technically good, uh, world-class in some cases. We have a number of world-class players. Denise Sullivan, Katie McCabe, they're both world-class players. There's probably another couple of players you could argue should be in that uh, discussion as well. Um, they've got oodles of caps. They've, it's not a young team. You're not comparing like with like when you talk about the men's versus the women's, and that's what everyone seems to be saying is it's like going, oh, we kept Stephen Kenny, we got rid of Vera Powell, she had success, he didn't. The measure of success is wrong. I think the FAI seem to have changed that measure from purely a results-based metric, which is what we've always done, to now development-based metric and can we see where we're going? And I think Vera didn't tick the boxes despite hitting the results. Vera didn't tick the boxes on development. Second oldest squad at the World Cup. I think only one or two players under the age of 26 actually took to the field uh, in the in the games compared to, I think, Izzy Atkinson and, uh, and uh, Abby Larkin are the only two that were under 26. I could be wrong on that, but I'm not. Heather Payne, I think, is one of the only other one. She's 23. You know, um, you look at the teenagers that were playing with the Philippines, that were playing with uh, some of these teams that surprised us. Nigeria, in our group, got out of it. You know, um, we should have been doing that. We should have been developing players. We should maybe have picked a few players who are more likely for the future than maybe have had their day. And I think that's where Vera lost out, ultimately. She built a team for today, not for tomorrow. And I think Stephen Kenny's building a team for tomorrow. And that's the key difference there. But I think that's fairly nuanced. And if you don't know the game, you might not be quite up with that, if that makes sense. But the thing is, when like when has Vera ever gone? Even even for games where there's nothing at stake for months away, she's never gone and put in six, seven, eight youngsters and said, "Listen, let's go and have a let's go and have a look at you and give a couple of the friends." It's always seems to be seven, eight, nine, ten of the starting team plays. Even if it's every friendly, every you know the only game that the only game that sort of differed was Zambia due to certain players not being available and Semi- other players Semi- not different. being. When was the last? When was the last goalkeeper? To play other than Courtney Brosnan, Megan Walsh would have played not last not last year, the year before in the was it the Pinatar Cup. She yeah. would have played one of the games. Twenty twenty one. So I think there was a game in twenty twenty two. I think uh, somebody 
played a game last year as well. But ultimately, we haven't blooded a, a substitute goalkeeper. We don't have a backup, a, a proven, tested backup keeper um, because we've been so focused on today. And I think that's why Vera's gone. Um, to bring it back to the interview this week and the fallout, the negativity surrounding this team now... Um, and it's not i don't think it's the team but it's the it's the discussion around the team is absolutely unbelievable it was always to be expected it was always to be expected and like it's sad it's absolutely sad because we're on we're on course to absolutely smash the record attendance this weekend and yeah it's you know everybody's talking like the problem is is it's been like that since the nigeria game everything's been there's been nothing positive even about the fact of Ireland getting to the World Cup, as soon as the Nigeria, what happened with the Nigeria at the Nigeria game, there's been nothing positive really, really written or said about the team. It's all been what negatives they can find, and like it's difficult. It's difficult to 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 sort of comprehend because you know you would have hoped a lot of people would have got behind and would have got support. And it's great to see that a lot are, but like it just goes. But it's just a, for me, it's just a typical Irish. It's it's a typical Irish attitude, and we see what all walks of life where. Anytime someone can have a go at something, they're so quick to jump on the bandwagon and then to try and stir the pot. And like it's 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 sad, it's it's frustrating, but it's to be expected, unfortunately. Yeah, the frustrating thing is all created by a, a poor response to a press conference from the previous manager, Vera Powell. Anyway, we hadn't wanted to talk about Vera Powell again. We thought we'd kind of gotten rid of her, but Dan Caldwell managed to uh, make sure she was back in the news cycle this week. Let's maybe. Uh, Talk about the FAA Cup before we come back to the actual international fixture at hand at the weekend. FAA Cup quarterfinals last weekend, uh, plenty of good games. As we already mentioned at the top of the show, we had written off Sligo's chances. Um, and of course, as is always the case with a with a good um, team, they came back and they beat Bowes 1-0 in the Cup semi-final. Let's start there maybe because I think it's a surprise of the weekend. Um, your thoughts on that game? It wasn't a great game of football. Um and you look at you're looking at it from a Bowles viewpoint, everybody expected Bowles to be into the semi-finals of the cup. Everybody probably expected it to be comfortable enough. They've come back from the international the international break, just the one win against Cabin Teeley, and that they scored three goals and that they've struggled to score goals since bringing in the likes of Katie Malone. She hasn't found a back in an effort and Bowles have been struggling. Even at home, they haven't they haven't been great. A lot of high expectation on them, and then you sort of look at it and, and see the draw was, was set up for them, but it wasn't to be. Sligo come up. Listen, Sligo are always going to be on half chances. They're always going to be on bits of chances, whatever scraps they could get. The goal uh, come off a, a shot and then off Emma Hansley backside and in. From a Bowles viewpoint, it's sort of one of them goals you don't want to, you don't want to concede. But the way Bowles are going at the minute, it's sort of difficult to see them scoring goals. So when Sligo go one up, you're sort of thinking, mm, it's going to be squeaky, squeaky for Bowles. And you sort of found thought that they'd really find it difficult to get back into the game. And, and, and it turned out to be that way. And, you know, I think in the end, probably Sligo, they'll go away very, very happy. Steve Feeney be delighted. But they have to capitalise on it. They can't just get to a cup semi-final and say, that was great. You know, we need to see them go put in a big performance against Athlone and, and try and see, can they can they make the final? Can they make that step forward, that, that next step forward? Try and save their season, really, because it's been a really, really, really difficult season with just a one-league win. The All-Ireland League Cup was difficult for them as well. So, like, from a Sligo viewpoint, listen, you're absolutely over the moon. You come up to Dublin, probably a bit of a surprise win. But the league the league game between the two sides up in Dublin as well was close. So, like, maybe Sligo got that little bit, bit of a rub of the green on, on the day, whereas they haven't necessarily got it in the season. Yeah, I think they actually beat 
Did they not get a draw or a win in the having your cup against Cliftonville, wasn't it? They got a draw against Cliftonville and Cliftonville were already through to the, to the semi-final. You didn't have to add the last bit there. <laughs> um, in terms of the cup though now, they, they do face an athlone side who came through on penalties against Pima. We'll talk about that in a moment. But firstly, just to wrap up the Sligo conversation, um, a home draw against athlone it's probably the draw you'd have wanted going into that if you're Steve Feeney. Shout out to the magic of, of finalwhistle.ie for the for the cup draw having having the cup draw predetermined on the website at the weekend and then it, it plays out it plays out listen ideal draw for Steve Feeney wouldn't want to be going away to Shells or Shamrock Rovers and to get a home to get a home draw against Athlone yes it's probably the ideal draw hopefully they get a bit of a crowd and in the showgrounds and they can make it difficult for them. Yeah, I think they'll get a big crowd. And, of course, there's a couple of local girls playing in that Athlone Town team as well. Roshi Malloy, Marin Devani, and a couple of other kind of floating around uh, who would have been at... Um, Kelsey Monroe would have been at Sligo Rovers as well. So there's plenty of kind of local uh, bragging rights up for grabs in that one too. We mentioned that they're playing Athlone. Athlone themselves, they hosted Piemont in the quarterfinals at the weekend. Not a great game. A couple of chances. Athlone probably shaded it in some respects in, in the... The balance of play in the little bit that I saw of the game at the weekend, uh, that American contingent in Athlone really can make trouble for anybody. We sort of said that this game would be the probably the most interesting game of, of, the, of the weekend. Like The games between the two sides, they either tend to be quite high scoring or they tend to be quite low scoring. And the pitch in Athlone, it sort of works in their favour against Galway as well. It was a really low score in, in, the, in the first round of the Cup and then to go in against go in against Piemont, keep it tight, you know, keep young Alan Alan Dillon quiet, keep Piemont quiet enough. And when you bring the penalty, the look of penalties, young Katie Keane stepping up to, to make another save for them. She's really starting to make a bit of her name for herself in Athlone. It was, it was probably the the right move for her to go there. But like from an Athlone viewpoint, listen, they won't care winning winning on penalties like Sligo. Sligo won't care winning with a with a with a goal that that wasn't the most famous goal, you know. They it's it, the cup is just about getting through to the next round, and for them to go through with back to back penalty shootouts as well, I think you'd have to be really happy if you're if you're if you're if you're Kieran Kilduff and Co. Like yes, they didn't get a home draw in the semi final, but to knock out the the league favourites, it was always going to be a big task. And listen, it was a it was a task they were well up to the American contingents continue to put the pressure on, as you say. Oh. Talk to us about the penalties because Athlone missed their first two. Piemont scored their first two. It looked like it was going to be a foregone conclusion. Effectively, at that point, uh, 2-0 down with three to take. And then it was a complete role reversal. Athlone winning the last three uh, shots, 3-0, effectively, to to take the the, the win and, and the progression through. And some big names missing penalties that we wouldn't necessarily have expected. Ah, oh, listen, penalties are... Penalties, it's always a look at, it's always a look at the draw. Like, you, you look at the... Even the shootout in the, in the in the previous rounds, where it looked as though they were gone at one stage, got had a chance to to dead and bury them, but it just seems that end and that loan, you're not out until the final penalty goes in. Like the one thing I will say about penalties, and I said all I said all time is, is that like it takes a lot of no matter who you are, it takes a lot to stand up and say yeah I'll take a penalty. You know some players hate doing it. We see we see some top players that like to go six, seven, eight, just you know because they don't like going early and. Like, I wouldn't blame any penalty player missing a penalty, missing a penalty, even if even 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 if you were to absolutely scuff it or to to hit it thirty yards over the bar. The fact that you know you're willing to step up, it wasn't Piedmont's day. Um, I think for them, maybe it gives them the full focus back on the back on the league. But for Athlone, it's another opportunity to get back into another cup final and, and make a bit of amends for what happened last year, where they 
didn't really show up in the first half. Could you imagine that long beating Sligo nil nil on penalties, getting to the cup final without scoring a goal? <laughs> like, it's not beyond the realms of possibility. It's not. It's not. And then, then the final goal nil all and got the penalties as well wouldn't be a. But listen, imagine getting into, or qualifying, uh, winning the whole cup out without actually having scored a goal in the entire competition. Listen, if I'm an athlete, if I'm the athlete town manager, you tell me I'm going to win a cup semi final and nil all and win it on penalties. I'll, t- I'll take your hand right now and I'll say thanks. Uh, I'll go to the bookies and I'll, I'll take that bet. Thank you very much. I'll, I'll, be, I'll walk away very happy. I don't really think they'll they'll care too much the fact that they've they've had two nil all draws. Yes, they've gone the extra time on penalties, but the fact that their, their name was in the hat, I think for them that's even more. That's the that's the big one. But you're right. It's you'd love to know when the last time we've had something like that where a team has won both their first and their second game nil all and, and won it on penalties. Yeah, it's a rough one. Uh, one team who haven't had a problem finding the back of the net in the other half of the draw, Shamrock Rovers, 5-0 winners down in Bishopstown. I want to make sure I don't say Bishop's Gate. That's in Longford. Um, so disappointed about so many different aspects of this game, to be honest. Uh, the like Moving the game out of Turner's Cross, I don't know the specifics behind it. You might be able to like cast some light on that for us, but um, it didn't look great on LOI TV. It... It just Bishopstown is is not set up for football at this level anymore. Brefney, it's two games this year they've moved, had to move because the Munster FA said the pitch needed pitch maintenance. It's two games they had to move one of their all one of their all Ireland Cup games as well. It's not good enough anymore. Like you can't turn around because the men's game went ahead on a Friday night and the, and the rain soaked against against Wexford in, in the cup and then all of a sudden the pitch is not playable. That it has to be like that. These days it's it's. It's not good enough to the fact to say, okay, if the pitch isn't playable, for me, the game should be postponed. I'm sorry. Tell, tell me you're going to move it down the road to a to a training complex. As you said, it's not fit for purpose anymore for, for playing elite-level games. Like It's not good enough. Um, the problem was is it's taken completely out of Cork City's hands because the fact that the Munster FA made the decision. Cork City wouldn't even, Cork City wouldn't even get a choice in it. That's the sad thing. That's the disappointing thing. Then again, that goes what happens when, you're, when, you, don't, when, you, don't own your, when you don't own your own ground. That that's sort of taken away from you. Like it, it, I'm frustrated over that one. I sort of when I seen it unfolding on Saturday, I was like, oh no, not again. That was the initial reaction. The one thing I will say, I know it probably didn't look amazing, but fair play to Cork, make sure the game's still able to be streamed as well. I think a lot of credit has to go to them. Aaron Howie done the the cup game for for them against Terran against Terranure as well. Looked after that, all that sort of stuff. Like so. The fact that they, you know they still make sure that the game can go ahead and can still be streamed. Yes, the quality is not going to be as good because of where it's probably going to be streamed from. But the fact that Cork actually still making sure that things go ahead. We've seen other teams where the stream goes down and you know they don't care. It's 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 playing pixel out. There's no replacement camera. There's no like because I remember watching the, the doing the Terran Your game and Aaron Howie had a a cameraman actually holding doing the camera and it was hooked up to his laptop. So, like, if, if, if Cork City can do that when needs be, you know, it sort of throws the, the spotlight as well back on other clubs when, when their rocket. pixel or camera goes down. It's not rocket science is, is the ultimate end of it. Like, okay, you might lose a bit of quality, but people at that level, people just want to feel – will just want to watch it. They don't really care about the quality so much. Like, let's face it, the quality of LOI TV has issues at the best of the times anyway, particularly around commentaries. Um and the bias that's shown the absolute un like the Athlone game at the at the weekend was a perfect example of 
like literally the commentator was going go on go on go on by first name obviously friends with them um it's it's not good enough when you're charging a fiver for a product it has to be at a certain level and i don't think in a lot the of other, the other side of that the other side of that is clubs have to start paying these people to get professionals in you can't you know and when you when they've got volunteers doing volunteers doing it it's sort of diff- it's 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 difficult to criticize in that situation as as well and I get I get your point and like it's it's a it's a it's a, it's a tough balance and like realistically anybody who works as you've said it before anybody who works on any stream for any any anything that's paid for it should they should be paid for their service yeah well I, I don't necessarily mind the 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 volunteerism aspect of it but pick your volunteers um, and I think sometimes in this league and in men's league and across the country we just seem to have this tick box exercise going on where it's like. We just need to tick the box and make sure that's there's somebody doing it. We don't really care who it is, and there's no real check on the quality. And I but think the other, the other the other side of that though is is when you're when you're reliant on volunteers, that's that's the problem. Whereas if you're paying someone to come in, you're actually paying someone to come in and do it. So I think that's the that's the problem because a lot of people won't volunteer to do it. That's the other side of it. Yeah, I think for me the the worst offense in that regard was also probably in that Lone Town game at the weekend, the women's game, um, where. They talked, and it was like, I can't remember the specifics of it, but I think it might have been Maddie Gibson that made a run down the left-hand side, and the comment was along the lines of, um, Maddie's just after turning the girl. It wasn't the name. It wasn't even the PMA, or the PMA player. It was just the girl. And it was just like, you don't know who the opposition is. And I, I'm apologies to Athlone. I'm not picking out Athlone. I quite enjoy, um, there's an American voice on that uh, that I quite enjoy listening to. But the professionalism is just maybe not there. Maybe it's not intended to be there, but it should be, in my opinion. I think when you're paying for a service, um, there's plenty of people around the Athlone area that do that as a living, that could come in and do that and become experts in both teams and the league and really grow everything and grow the professionalism. But we just seem to not want to do that. Um, maybe the numbers aren't there to justify spending the money, but it's a chicken and egg. If you spend the money, you might get the numbers. And I think that's kind of where you, people don't want to pay for anymore because they know the camera is going to be poor. The commentary might be biased, and the away teams, who are the ones you're really targeting at, because they're the ones that can't make the the game usually, um, are the ones that are, are not there to uh, to. Are they get annoyed because they're listening to a hometown commentator uh, being very very one sided, and it's just it's it, it doesn't really work anymore. Uh, in terms of the other game, then well, actually before we leave Cork, talk to me about Cork because. We, we kind of were seeing green shoots from them in small patches through the season. They'll be very disappointed with a 5 0 home defeat to Shamrock Rovers. Yeah, um, good patches in the game as well. Like, I just think the problem for Cork is Cork are decent when they come up against the likes of a DLR, Sligo, maybe depending what, what Athlone they get or what Wexford they got earlier in the season. But when they seem to come up against the top teams, that's when they struggle. Like, even they were good against Bowes. Well, it's when they come up against the Shells, P Mounts, and Rovers, they massively struggle. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I think from my, from my Cork viewpoint, there's still a massive lot of work to do to actually get them up. But like, listen, when you've got a captain, I think their captain has just turned 19, Eve Mangan. I think she's just turned 19. Like, like that's how that in itself. The amount of young, I think Kira Max probably the oldest player, 24, 25. Is their oldest player in the squad? Like, and it's a, it's probably the youngest or second youngest squad in the league. Just on Cork, I know we didn't touch on it last week because uh, it wasn't. It was announced at one stage last week. Zara Foley stepping away from football due to injury. 
Southside so young, considering Zara had played playing football. She seems to be involved behind the scenes coaching and yeah, which is, club, but which is good. The fact they want to keep the asset to stay involved, like she's captured or captured her in the underage and still so young to, to have to step away due to persistent knee injuries. It's it's never nice to see someone so young, and it's good to see the support the club are actually giving her to help her in that situation. But if we turn the attention to Rovers, Rovers are just doing what they need to do at the minute. The scoring goal, the scoring goal for fun since they've come back after the break. Um, Joy Ralph on the score sheet again. I think really think Joy Ralph is going to have a very very big impact for them this second half of the season. Be very interested to watch what she does when they play when they play shells in a couple of weeks and and the, the in the two games back to back. I think everybody in the league probably wanted probably wanted Joy. Nobody thought she'd start games for Rovers and look what she's doing. I think she could be a pivotal player. I think. The players Rovers have brought in probably have helped them an awful lot, the likes of Scarlett Heron. I think from a Rovers viewpoint, it's 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 full systems go. They've been they've been very good. The only concern for Rovers is Amanda Budden's injury. And um, we don't know the extent of it. Yes, she got injured in the, in the league game against Cork and Summer Lawless has been deputizing since, doing quite well. But, to be fair, it's not a bad sub if you've got to call somebody in to have that in reserve. Summer Lawless is a talented young goalkeeper. Just that, just a national league experience is probably the only thing that that's letting her down at the minute. But other than that, it's you know she's an underage international, so you'd have to say from a Rovers viewpoint, Colin O'Neill have to be very happy with how things are going. Don't they haven't conceded the goal since they've come back from the from the break either. Like you'd have to be very happy with that. Yeah, the final game of the weekend, of course, uh, is the team that will play. Uh, Shamrock Rovers in the semi-final. That's Shelburne. They came through a two-one victory uh, over DLR. Not without its scary moments for Shells, though. Yeah, it was a bit of a weird, old, a bit of a weird old game. Probably when when the goal happens from a from a DLR viewpoint, you're probably thinking it was going to come. The, it was going to come the other end. Um, Shells all over them early on, and then Freya Road sort of loops the ball over over the head, and then Megan Smith Lynch is not going to score an easier goal issue at the back at the back post. With a lovely ball out from Kerry Letman, and then. Morgan Reese's winner, like it was a, it was a, it was a great winner, but from a from a DLR Waves viewpoint, DLR Waves definitely walk away from that game extremely disappointed. They they should have had more than one goal. Um, Maggie Pierce, who's probably been Shell's best player this year, thrown her body on the line multiple times. Thought Amanda McQuillan was quite good between the posts as well, and we haven't even mentioned the fact that Michelle Doonan had a penalty in the first half that was skied over the bar and could have been a different story going in at half time. I think from a DLR Waves point of view. That's probably going to be a game that, when they reflect back, it's probably one that they'll say that got away from them. That probably shouldn't have got away from. Them. And I think the biggest, the biggest difference between them and Shells on the day, is probably a bit of experience. At times, you looked at Shells held the ball, held the ball up well. When Shells nearly had a bit of control, they played the one touch, quick football, tried to get around DLR. But from DLR, DLR viewpoint, it was just probably <clears throat> one that they said they should have scored two or three goals. They had their chances. Encouraging from DLR, no doubt about it. I think Laurel take an awful lot away from it, as much as there is parts that she won't be happy about. But yeah, disappointing for them. For Shells, you could see definitely they looked a bit tired off the back of the, the busy Champions League week with the travel and stuff. You can see some of the players looked a bit leggy. Um, brought on young Hannah Healy just in the second half, added a little bit to them. She actually scored for Ireland under, under 19s. Only Every, fit, only not even sixteen. She's not even sixteen yet, Brafney. That's yeah. the amazing thing. You know what I mean? She's still got another year after this at under seventeens and, and scoring for the nineteens. She's gonna be one that I think is really gonna be to watch. From Michelle's viewpoint, Pearl Slarry pulled out in the warm-up. Had a chat with Pearl actually as she was walking off. 
said she, she just had a niggle, just didn't feel right. She says the, the week that the, the gap between with the international break, she should be fine for the for the DLR game after after the break. So, like from a, a Shell's viewpoint, it was it was it was at times it was a, it looked as though it was going to be a scrape over the line, and at other times it looked as though they were going to cut the LOAs apart. It's just it all depends what shells show up. The good shells show up from for a patch in patches, but your concern is in an FAI Cup if that shells have showed up on Saturday, showed up against Shamrock Rovers, would Rovers beat them out the door potentially? They'll definitely have to be a lot, lot better. Let's talk about the semi-finals before we take a look at the Saturday's big UEFA Women's Nations League game. Uh, the pairings are, as we've mentioned, Shamrock Rovers versus Shells. That's played on the 14th of October. And the other one is the day before, the 13th of October. It's Sligo Rovers versus Athlone Town. Are they not voting the Saturday? Uh, I, I understand they're a day apart. One Saturday, one Sunday. Okay. Um, I could be wrong on that, but that's the... I'm gonna to to check that now, but but yeah, talk to us about the draw anyway. I'll I'll double check the uh, fixtures. No, they're both they're both they're both Saturday. One's at four o'clock, one's at six o'clock. Sorry, that was just. I knew they were, I knew they were separate. Um, the men's are the men's are the day. The, part the men's the day. are on the Sunday. And um, for me, it's a how would you say? It's it's a it's it's a mad draw because the questions mark would always be is would Shamrock Rovers and Shells be kept apart? The fact they haven't, a lot of people will say that's the cup final in itself, and I think that's a bit unfair on on the, on the other two sides. But for me, the other the, we look at look at Shamrock, uh, Sligo, and, and Athlone first. It's a great opportunity for two sides to make a cup final, and um, I do think Athlone should come true. They should they should come true. But then again, we said a lot. We said that about we said that about Bowls at the weekend, and sort of that's what happened. That but. I think it'll be a, it'll be a much more difficult game for for Athlone, uh, for Sligo Rovers against Athlone. Athlone's quality they're in they're in great form. I think they'll go into the, the league games they have beforehand just sort of ticking the boxes and and then it, it's it's it, I think the real difficult thing is it's just if both sides maintain their squads and don't have any injuries beforehand. And, and like I know Steve Feeney will have them rolled up. We mentioned earlier they'll get a big crowd in the in the showgrounds. That could be a bit of a difference. Will it be enough to get them over the line? It's difficult to say. The other tie is just a it's just a meltwater. They play each other seven days previous in the league, where that game is as important as as that game is as important. But we've seen in previous years when Shells and Piedmont have played in the league one week and then the next week played in the cup. It's out. It's tend to be a bit of a, a, a different type of result. Yeah, yeah. So like it, it could be anything. And the fact that Shells have to go to Tala twice in a in a week, like it's the sort of games that you want to be involved in if you if you if you're one of the players on both sides and going if you if to ask me based on form right now i think Sean Rovers are favorites and is that no to denying. win the cup out both 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 i think shells need big performances in both games to get it something out of the games and for shells i think shells realistically need a big performance against DLR when they played them in the league after the international break because if shells don't then they scrape they scrape over the line I have a feeling they could struggle to go into the Rovers the first get the first Rovers game and then if they lose that the second Rovers game could be really difficult. Their season is on the line then at that stage. How important is it for Rovers given the investment that's gone in there and the and the attention that's gone on them this year and those the, the fact that I know they've officially said they wanted to be in the in the mix and they are in the mix. Um, but let's be honest, they went in there to win that league this year. They, they took up hoovered up what most people would have regarded as the best talent in the league. They haven't or don't look likely to to win the league. It looks like it's going to be P Mount given the the run in that they've got. 
we've seen things happen before, but it looks unlikely they'll they'll make that mistake again. Um, is it necessary for Rovers to win the league, or it is given the expectation going in there? Would Collie be under pressure if they don't win a top trophy? It's a, it's a different. It's a different question. It's a different. It's a different question because if you if you speak to Rovers fans, Rovers fans are probably are saying that they're really happy with how the first season has gone. What are the board? What are the board? What are the, you know, the higher up saying? Probably need probably if he doesn't get a trophy, I probably needs a couple final appearance or a second place in the in the second place in the league. I the investment in Rovers being massive, and it's probably why we said at the start of the season they are under massive pressure to win the league because of that investment. Like if you if you quantify the money that's being put in, yeah, they should be winning that league. They should be winning the cup. The players they've got. But it doesn't always work that way. I think from a Rovers viewpoints, I don't think losing a cup semi final at the Shells would be catastrophic. I think if they can finish second in the league, if they lost that cup semi final, I think that'd be a, there'd be a lot of positives from that. But it just means that next season there'd be even more. There would be a lot of pressure next season. I don't know if just because of the fact that's the first season, if you can really put the pressure on them that they have to win it. If they did win the cup, it would be massive for them. It would be a massive momentum for them to win the FA Cup. I think. Yeah, I think as well people underestimate just how hard it is to go from being a team with 11 players to being a competitive team up end of the league. It's not something you can do overnight. We've seen teams um, grow into that role of being the, the contenders. They've all come from somewhere. They haven't just brought in a group of players. It takes time for that to gel. And I suppose maybe the short season this year because the World Cup has has given them a much shorter runway to have a go at that. So yeah, you're probably right. I do I do think they're going to expect results at some point. And I think I do believe that Shamrock Rovers, the investment they've made, it was designed to get them into the Champions League and the women's as well as the men. I think that's what the, the club want. They might not say that publicly, but I think that's probably the the goal of what they're looking at. And I think they'll be disappointed if they don't make that within the first two seasons. I think expectations next year are going to be massive. Massive. I think you're spot on. I think expectations next year, but I think they will be expected to win the league and get to the Champions League. First year, if listen, first year if they finish second, yeah, you, you, you definitely have to say it's great because that's their building block. That's that's their that's the start point. But if the season was if the season was another round of games, would they be would they be a potential contender to win the league? Probably would have been, yeah. Probably would have been a, a massive, even closer contender. Like they haven't dropped. They have they've had a couple of results where maybe they wouldn't have liked like the Bows the, the, the draw against Bows Collie probably be disappointed disappointed with they they you know they they were beat, beating Wexford they've drawn with Shells but the Shells draw was probably a Shells draw was a case that was a bit of bit of it was one of them games that but either side could have won it P Mount's draw they were probably lucky to get a draw against P Mount the loss against P Mount P Mount's experience was probably just what got them over the line as a as a team on the on the day and like they haven't dropped points against how would you say lower quality teams this year whereas maybe you'd have seen that from other teams when they come in that they'd be dropping points against them sort of teams so I think that's that's something that I think Collie O'Neill has to take a lot of credit for In terms of I suppose the the realistic look of, of where we're going to end up at the end of the season um, Shamrock Rovers I feel anything less than winning the cup is going to be deemed a, a not a phenomenal season by them. I think looking at it now, a home draw against Shells, uh, they've competed well with Shells all season. Uh, two teams lower in the league than them, Sligo and Athlone, and the other half of the draw. It's really set up for them to go win it. Yeah, 
That's fair. It is set up. And the thing is, the home semi-finals in Tala. The final's going to be in Tala. What an opportunity. You know, what an opportunity for them. And that's the that's the biggest thing. But the, the problem is, the first hurdle is, can they get over Shells? They haven't beaten Shells yet. That's the biggest thing. They haven't got the result. They've got a result against P-Mount in the All-Ireland Cup, where P-Mount didn't have a, a full-strength team out. But they haven't got a win against Shells yet. So that's the first hurdle for them to do. I think the league game will tell us an awful lot. If Shells can pull out a big performance in that league game, I think Robert will go into that under a, under a lot more pressure than they are at the minute. But listen, all Collie would have wanted is a home draw, and he's got that. The quite the big question I would ask, and it probably doesn't necessarily it won't count because it's not a league, because it's not a league game. What sort of crowd are we going to get to Tallow for that day? Could we could we see two thousand for for an FAI Cup game? Oh, I think we could. I think we're going to see a big number. I think if the FAI run it well off the back of the and I hope I hope on Saturday they're promoting the hell out of the cup final because if we can get thirty seven thousand to an international game I don't see any reason why we couldn't get three or four thousand to a, a cup final and that should be not in the cup final the semi final the semi final I suspect I'm talking about the semi final I think we could get oh, yeah. two thousand at the sem- the semi final. Yeah it could be like there was five there was five thousand at the at the cup final last year between Shells and Athlone. Yeah could be could be big let's talk for a moment uh let's move on to the international scene before we get into the to some uh, saturday's game uh let's look back we mentioned it briefly the under 19s played during the week uh they have a series of games this week uh two against wales once one against northern ireland they play wales tomorrow for the second time but they beat them seven nil the other day uh goals coming from two from joy ralph freya healy katie mccarn keola bergen uh, hannah healy and kate parsons and the fact that we've already name checked probably about eight of these girls in our conversation on the league so far probably tells you the the quality and the influence the women's national league is having on our underage international teams katie keen summer lawless the two goalkeepers you mentioned ellen dolan earlier in the show uh you've also we've also talked about jess fitzgerald on the show and not today but but previously joy ralph frey healy um mccarran we've mentioned you mccarran Jody Lockley was the player who whose shot was uh, deflected off Emma Hansbury into the goal for that winner in Daily Mount. So we're seeing these girls coming through, uh, these really young, exciting talents coming into the league and, and really making an impact in the league as well. How important is it for that link, for those girls to have that pathway through under-17s, probably skipping the under-19 club grade effectively into the international under-19 side? It's funny to see that some of them actually went back and played under-17s for their club recently. Um seeing Hannah Healy line out for the Shells under 17s against Shamrock Rovers last week. I think it's I think it's it's an interesting one because some of these players will potentially be eligible for 17s as well. And for the fact that I'm going into 19s and starting in these sort of games, like I remember having a chat with Ken Kiernan when he was still with Shells, he um starting the All Ireland Cup and he said to me, he said, watch out for young Kate McCarran. You know, he said he said, watch out for her. She's gonna be a smashing young player. Like I think I think a lot of these youngsters are starting to how would you say see success and see the, see the pathways and that's probably what's giving them and driving them on and then when they went under 19 the only problem is is it's all great you know beating wild 7-0 but we need to start again qualifying for under underage tournaments we need to start the first qualifying campaign we need to come out of that as a first seed we come out as a first seed you avoid a germany you avoid it you avoid the big a lot of the big countries who 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 tend to do well at these at these at the first competition? Then you go into the second one. Like you look at the last couple of years, Ireland got France last year in the under 19s because they were they weren't the first seed. Then you're sort of thinking, oh no, straight away you're, you're already on the back foot. Whereas if we could avoid a team like that and sort of have that opportunity, like that that team there alone is just littered with quality, littered with young quality players. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see half a dozen of them make senior internationals for Ireland in the next couple, coming years. 
But we're going to see more and more in that as as we see the fruits of that under-17 pathway that was put in back in 2018. We're five, six years into that project now. So we're looking at girls that were 14, 15, then kind of breaking into these under-19 sides, into the international sides. Uh, the likes of... I remember girls who played in that that season. The likes of Emily Whelan would have uh, played for Shells in that opening year. Um, yeah, loads of them. Um, and I remember teams were were competitive with each other so there wasn't a whole pile between them back then i know shells i think um came left the league final i think that year they were beating my goal memory serves um but i was involved with sligo and we were in, we were in that group with both teams and we competed with both i think we lost 2-1 to to um to shells twice or maybe one nil twice i can't remember we lost by a goal once but it was a moment of genius rather than a um than a mistakes if you know what i mean we weren't out class by in by any stretch but at the same time these girls have gone on to do it and we see it now with girls across the country the likes of jody lockery coming in there uh scoring a goal from donegal or sligo wherever you want to credit her with she's with sligo at the moment um but those players are now appearing across the country and and the work that the fai has done behind the scenes five six years ago is now starting to bear fruit and it's such an exciting time. We're looking at these girls. They're so much better. No disrespect to the girls who went before them. But technically, these girls are playing at a higher standard more often, more regularly, better coaching consistently um, across a wider network of clubs and leagues than they would have got with their juvenile teams coming up through the ranks. Yeah, and that's that's the that's the massive that's the massive thing that you know we're seeing on a, we're seeing the evolution on a yearly basis. We're seeing more and you know more and more good coaches get involved. We're seeing more and more young players start to make that step. But like the thing for me is, and it harps back to the national league when we look at like in a couple of years' time, your sort of hope is that we don't have to see the Athlones, the Shelburne's sort of going for players abroad. That we have that that gap there filled where we have homegrown players to sort of step into it with that experience and like. The one credit to a lot of clubs this year is whether they've whether they've wanted to do it or whether they've had to do it. We're seeing a lot of these younger players get more and more minutes at national league level, and they're they're taking massive steps on. Like you, you look at you look at even what the likes of Treaty have done with the, with the youngsters that they've had to play. They've got great results out of it. Cork have got some results. Like look, you you want to go for Cork? Uh, Cloud of is a Cloud of Fitzgerald, the fifteen year old playing in goal for them in in in, in league football, like. Against against the likes of Stephanie Stephanie Zambra, players like that, you know, they're putting a, a fifteen year old in, and she doesn't look out of place. That's the sort of thing that you are starting to see now. We're starting to see more and more of that, and I think that's what probably makes it makes it better, makes it more exciting. But you're right, the fruit the fruits of the labour for from that under seventeens league are now starting to gradually bear through, and I think we're going to need to see that for for many more years. Because that's the way we're going to expand the league is by having these players come through and then having more opportunities for them. Rather than expand the league when we don't necessarily have to have the, the the player pool, we're gradually building that player pool up. But the most important thing is we need to keep them. We need to keep them in keep them in the league. We need to keep them here because we need to have success here because success here helps grow underage Ireland, underage uh, senior Ireland as well. I think that's as as important as as helping the women's national team as as well as sponsors and and money coming into the women's national team. Yeah, no, we need to really push on i think i think clubs and the fai and, and and the powers that be need to make put whatever is required into making the league an attractive proposition for young girls uh, to stay in and to whether it's to study or to to work and play or to be a professional in we need to get that 
right. And I don't think we've got that quite even close to being right yet. But I think it needs a, a lot of joined up thinking from a lot of different streams of the game. Uh, in terms of the final piece of news for the weekend, obviously Ireland play on Saturday. It's promises to be a record-setting game for a whole lot of reasons, most notably because uh, we're going to have a massive crowd. 37,000, you mentioned Seoul now. I expect it to almost sell out. What's the, what's the uh, capacity? 40. Oh, okay, we won't sell out then, but we might get over 40K for the game. Um, the I suppose in some ways, Diane's interview during the week, it's reminiscent of maybe a, a heavyweight boxer coming out criticizing the uh, a rival. It's slightly different in that it's a former coach, but it, it's making the news. It's making waves. It's it's drawn attention to the game. It's drawn attention to the squad. It's heaping a lot of pressure on the squad, as you mentioned. Uh, but I think it's pressure they'll relish, as you said at the top of the show, and um, it's driving people to buy tickets. And, and we're looking at uh, what potentially could be a phenomenal crowd and a, a statement about where women's sport is in this country. Absolutely, and like. Could you have imagined five years ago that we started with 37,000 tickets sold for the Aviva? I couldn't. I could I only dream. games where we were lucky to get 370 play, people in the crowd. That I remember games in Richmond Park where it was sparse. We played Switzerland. and Yeah, but how many of them were also family members and yeah, things like the that? That's the... the vast majority were, were family members, friends, or, or partners, um, or teammates. Like I don't think there was anybody who wasn't one of those... Uh, category like a coach, a teammate, or a family member, uh, a significant other, um, and we knew everybody. Like you looked around the grounds at a international game, you knew everybody uh, more or less, or you knew who they were. Um, that's definitely not the case anymore. It's 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 become a behemoth, and that's it's phenomenal for the girls involved. Uh, but like, it's it, it's great to, to watch it. But I remember, like I said, days and day in. Belfield Park used to be uh, the international home ground because that's all that you needed was a couple hundred seats and you'd more than enough capacity for everybody. Now we're asking the question: Are they going to go back to Tala after this? What are they going to do? That's the that's the best thing is that I don't think we're, can. we're actually having this conversation: is what are they going to do next? That's the best part. You're going to have to have these conversations. Whereas the previous thing used to be: oh, Can we get a couple of thousand at Tala? Can we get can we get can we get five thousand? Can we get six thousand? Now we're sort of going to have to have the questions: What can we do? And the funny thing is, we haven't even talked about the squad. We haven't even talked about who's in the squad. Ireland squad yet. Talk about the squad. A couple of changes in the World Cup, um, and then a couple of rechanges. Uh, Ruiz Little John was included; has got has uh, pulled out through injury, replaced by Izzy Atkinson, who had been left out originally. Um, it's there's a couple of new faces in there as well. Um, Tyler Toland is back. There's so many talking points. Uh, your takeaway from the squad selection this week? I think the biggest one, the two biggest ones when the squad came out was probably Tyler Toland and Sinead Farley were probably the two biggest ones. The absence of Sinead Farley since being confirmed that she's having back spasms and she's no games with it got them in the next couple of weeks. So she'll get it. Play last yeah. week. Since the squad came out, she's played. Yes, but there, 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 there was a... So... There was the back spasm was actually brought out after, so it was agreed between the FAI and Gotham that it wouldn't be right for her to fly across the across, to do a transatlantic flight. That she'd be better off having the rest because Gotham had no game this weekend. So hopefully that's just that, and we'll see Sinead back in the next squad. Tyler Toland, I've said to you before, and I've said it on, online. I, t- I was hoping that we'd see conversations with Tyler. I didn't expect to see Tyler back in the squad so soon. Is it a bad thing? No. Is it a bit of a two fingers up to the previous manager? Potentially, because we see Emily Whelan coming back in as well, who was a bit on the on the outskirts. The one thing I will say, Toland and, and Whelan are two different different stories in the sense that 
Tyler's been starting all the time for Blackburn. Emily's been getting minutes off the bench. Probably a bit of a surprise to see her to see her coming into the squad and in, in, because of that sense. But given out the players that were injured, Leanne Kern is still injured, Aoife Mannion injured, Megan Campbell's still injured, although she currently hasn't got a club since since picking up the, the name. So there's a lot of players missing as well. I wasn't surprised to see Eileen go with three goalkeepers and not go with four goalkeepers because I, I always thought Beerus uh Beerus decision that four goalkeepers was always mental. It was always one of them that, that surprised you every time. Most on the fence, Aaron. So they have to really feel. <laughs> well, no, listen, there was never a point to bring up four goalkeepers. And like, I think that caused a lot of controversy when it comes to the World Cup picking of the of the training players, bringing an extra four goal. Listen, I don't know Sophie Whitehouse. She could be she could be the next player in line. But I just think having the fourth goalkeeper is a, is a bit of a strange one. Um, in terms of the squad, Savannah McCarthy obviously comes back in as well. Sav's probably still not at 100% yet. Yeah, she's, she's gradually getting back to where she was from the ACL injury. Be interesting to see what way she goes. Off the back of the, the backlash, and Eileen hasn't tended to play five at the back, so will Eileen play five at the back this week would be the interesting question. I don't think she will. Um, based off everything that's gone on, I think in order to satisfy a lot of the needs and a lot of the, the rumblings, I think Ireland could need to win three or four nil and actually win convincingly to sort of keep people quiet. But two games in a week, two games coming up in a quick succession, I think six points is a must in the Nations League and I'm really excited for Saturday. But it's not just a must, it's a very realistic prospect. Like, I think, I personally think everything the women, everything the girls squad have said, women's squad have said, I think is, is as close to accurate as we're going to get in terms of the story. I, I believe their side of the events way more than I believe the, the contrary. Um, but I think the way they've gone about doing the, the the entire last few months has set them up that they now have to deliver. I think, um, I still don't think they're getting 100% support where they need it in some respects. I think no more than the Spanish, I think every women's team in the world isn't quite getting the support that they should be getting from their associations. I don't think we're any different in that. Like we've talked about equal pay. It's not necessarily equal pay. The FAI didn't stump up the money. The men's team stumped up the money. They cut theirs 50% to give the girls 50%. Um, that's what happened in that situation. It was a conversation, I think, between um, Katie McCabe and Seamus Coleman that sorted that out. Um, but that's that, that's the men's gesture, not necessarily the Football Association. And what I think the Football Association have done a lot of good work in this regard, and 37,000 people at the Aviva is testament to that. The success of the underage teams is testament to that. But I think this is one that they've dropped the ball on. I think the support is is not as what it should be. I think it's beginning to look like it's going to be different. I think the, the removal of Vera is probably the first thing in terms of player welfare which is a positive step in my opinion. But I think coming into this weekend, I think Ireland have to win not just the group, but the Division 2 of the Nations League. I think uh, they've set themselves up now where they don't really have a choice. They're going to have to go out and try and compete at that level. Uh, and I com- I think they can comfortably beat the two teams that are ahead of them this week. Uh, if they don't... Uh, Breathly, no, no disrespect to the teams in the group, but nothing short of six, nothing short of six wins in that group is good enough. No, no. Um, we should be winning that group comfortably. And in terms of the other teams and across the other groups, you look through Croatia, Finland, Romania, Slovakia, Greece, Poland, Serbia, Ukraine, Belarus, Bosnia, Bosnia, Herzegovina, Czech Republic, and Slovenia. There's nobody in there that scares me. You know, like there's a couple of decent sides, um, but nobody that you'd say, okay, we don't have a chance of beating them. Like winning this and getting promoted to the group division 
A is very much within our potential here. 100%. 100% agreed. Um, do you think we're going to do it, though? I definitely think we, we win this group. No doubt about it. I have no doubt we win this group. Um, I'm expecting us to start off with six points. Like Realistically, we win, we win these two games, the double header against Albania ne- next month. Then you're into your last two games, home to home to Hungary, away to Northern Ireland. Like Realistically, you have the group sewn up by by before the Northern Ireland away game. But for me, it has to be six wins, and I expect six wins from this group. Yeah, no, I think, but I think that's the way it's going to be. And uh, if we get six wins, does Eileen Gleeson put herself in the in the frame for the job? I don't think. I, I, my, my thought process, and I could be completely wrong here, is my thought process is I think the FAI will make a decision after the the AGM. I think that's what they're waiting on to sort of the new board members in, and then they'll start the process. So the process could be signed, sealed, and delivered before I, before the last two games, because you have to remember. The last games are the the Friday, so the last Friday, I think it's the last Friday in November and the first Tuesday in December are the last two Nations League games. So the new manager, I think, will be in place by then. It's just a matter of, is it Eileen? Is it someone else? Realistically, I don't think it'll be Eileen. I, I don't, I, I, but listening to parts of what she said the other day, I think she knows herself it's not going to be her. Yeah, I'd like to see her a part of the... Uh, selection process as opposed to actually being a potential candidate but that's just me uh, final thing uh, before we wrap up we're just in 59 minute now we know we don't like going over the hour uh, final score on Saturday what do you, what do you think it's going to be? 3-0 uh, I think I probably agree with you if not more I, I think 3 or 4-0 uh, is definitely a potential uh, target for the game anyway Aaron another week gone it's been a, another tumultuous week in uh, the world of women's football here in Ireland I expect we might be talking about even more um, drama coming out of the game at the weekend next week on the show thanks for joining me as ever and we'll chat to you again next week <laughs>